My goodness, what a series this has been so far. Uh, I feel that each week has been equally challenging, but I'm not surprised in the least by the challenging nature of this series because as I was preparing for this message, I went back and read the official Grace Church statement that describes our value about making room. And one of our values here at Grace is that we make room. And we do have a statement about it, and I read it again, and that statement convinced me that a series like this would have to be challenging. Listen to what Grace Church officially says we believe about making room. Grace Church is dedicated to becoming a community which reflects the unity and diversity of God's kingdom. A community where we must all humble ourselves and seek to elevate the voices, influence, and giftings of those who don't look the same, think the same, talk the same, or have the same age or abilities as ourselves. Now, that's one strong statement. It's a statement that challenges us to a huge amount of room making, which as we have seen each week in our series, calls us, it calls all of us to a kind of open-handed humility that to be honest is just plain difficult. It just is. But as difficult as it is to make room for other voices and influence, we believe with all of our hearts that this kind of open-handed humility is possible, but only so through the power of the Holy Spirit. We believe that the Holy Spirit can make it possible for us to be humble enough to open up our lives and make room for all sorts of folk. And so, since we believe it's possible, we, that's why we're openly talking about this difficult subject. Now, my role today is to speak to yet another place where some difficult, open-handed, humble room-making is needed. Today I will be speaking primarily to those of us who are older, and I include myself in the older crowd, and I, I just have to stop for a second and say, I know that to me, like most of you are younger, and yet to those of you, like if you're in your mid-50s, you are just a pup. But if you're in your mid-50s, you're thinking, when I say younger, you're thinking 30s. And if you're in your 30s, you're thinking, you know, so it's like we can all think about this. I know that everybody pretty much is older than somebody, but I just want to make sure you know that I'm speaking to older folk. <laughs> I include, and I said I include myself in that. We're going to be make, talking about making room and elevating the voices and the influences and the giftings of those who are in the generations behind us. People who, and let's be honest, older folk, okay? Those generations behind us are people who don't look like us and who don't think like us and they don't talk like us and they don't see the world the same way that we do. But it's my conviction that if we get this aspect of church unity right, it will help make Grace Church the light that God wants us to be in his world. Now next week, the shoe is gonna be on the other foot. Barry is gonna be talking to and challenging those of you who are younger to make room for those of us who are older. 
But this week I'm primarily talking to those of us who are older, and can I say right off the bat that I honestly don't feel like I'm in the older category. <laughs> I know that I am, but I don't feel all that much different in many ways than I did when I was much younger. But the truth is, I'm older. I will be 70 this summer. And why does, why, is, do you know something that I don't know that like it's, I'm lucky to get this far? I don't, what's that about? Um, I'll admit that 70 has an old ring to it. It just does. I also want you to know that over the last couple of years, I've been thinking a lot about this subject of making room for younger people as it relates to my role here at Grace. Truth is, I've been here since before day one. Before day one. I stood in the parking lot of Faith Church, which is the church that planted Grace Church. I stood in the parking lot with Dave Rod and Jim Falk in early 1990, right after the idea of launching this church was first hatched. And to their wide-eyed surprise, I told them in my, I'm just be honest, in my at the time salty landscape language, <laughs> that I was with them 100%. And I was certain that God was gonna help us youngsters do something amazing together. On that day, I was 36. And I had no idea then that a half a life later, I'd be asked to speak as an older man to my generation about how we can best make room for those people who in 2023 are being called to lead God's people just like Dave and Jim and I were called to lead God's people in 1990. But here I am, and I have to say it's an honor to speak to you about this. Today's passage is a good one for talking to those of us who are older about making room for the next generations. I've been excited about this sermon for a long time. I told the first hour that I am not over-caffeinated. I am just excited, okay? So as I, oh, the today's passage, I've been thinking about it a long time, and today's passage is Psalm 71. You can find that on page 485 in the House Bible. I wanna welcome everybody that's online with us today. We are glad to have you with us. Um, let me pray for us, and then we'll get going here. Father, as we look into your word, I pray that you will move in our hearts through your word to make us more like your son. Uh, use my words, Father, to speak what you have for each one of us today. I pray thanking you, you that you're present with us and we can count on your Holy Spirit to work today. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Psalm 71, now some intro first. This Psalm does not have an author named. And believe it or not, this Psalm's authorship actually matters. Many scholars say the Psalm was clearly written by David. The situation in the Psalm seems to match the circumstances of David's life at a particular time, and the poetry absolutely sounds like all of the other psalms that are attributed to David. Yet, other scholars say no, no, this psalm was written by an anonymous older person, 
probably someone who'd been a career musician in the temple, and we don't know anything about the actual life story of this songwriter. And boy, are those two things different. They're really different. One, we know what the, who the author was, and we know about his life, and we know why he would have written this song. And the other, we don't know who the author was, and we don't know anything about their life or why they would have written, have written this psalm. Well, I've done a lot of work on this to f- see the two sides, and I know that uh, scholars, they fuss about it. They fuss a lot about which way it goes. And after much study and thinking about it, I've come to the conclusion that I believe this psalm was written by David. If you want to ask me about that, you can later. As I said, some scholars are going to disagree with me, but today, from here on out, we're going to assume that King David, in the middle of his own son, trying to take the throne away from him because that son thought his father was far too over the hill to rule any longer, that, did you catch that? David's own son is trying to take his throne away because he thinks his dad is over the hill. And this psalm expresses all that is caught up in that betrayal. All that is stirring in his soul is what leads to this song. And one other thing I want you to know that at first, it's gonna seem like this psalm was written to say that younger people should respect their elders, but there is a turning point in this psalm that I'm certain will show you why we chose this psalm to talk about making room for the coming generations. So here we go. King David is thinking about his life and the fact that his own son has betrayed him And this is the song that came bubbling out of his soul. Psalm 71, verse 1. O Lord, I've come to you for protection. Don't let me be disgraced. I've got to stop right there. The word that is translated disgraced here in our house, house Bible is a Hebrew word, bush. And its meaning is actually more along the line of confused or ashamed, or maybe even better, not relevant. Remember, David's son was trying to get rid of him because David was older. And to this young man, David seemed confused and inept. And boy, do I understand why the first thing on David's mind was asking the Lord to keep him from being disgraced because he seemed confused and irrelevant. I am certain there are other older folks in this room today who know exactly what it is to find yourself confused by something that is completely commonplace in the world of younger people. And I'm sure there are older folk that know what it is to feel irrelevant in the never-ending swirl of today's world. And what David is saying in this first verse is that he wants, God, he wants God to protect him from the disgrace of irrelevancy. And boy, do I get that. And then in the next five verses, David essentially says this. He's saying essentially, Lord, you need to save me from this disgrace because I've been so faithful to you. Now that can sound odd. I don't want anybody to think, though, that we can have a quid pro quo relationship with God. There's no 
I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine when you're talking to the Lord of the universe. There is no, I've been good, so you owe me. That just isn't, uh, it's inappropriate. How about that? Can I just say that? But keep in mind, David was emotionally worked up when he wrote these words. His own son was trying to get rid of him for heaven's sakes. You can hear how worked up he is when, in what he says in these five verses. Listen to what he says. He says, save me and rescue me, for you do what is right. Turn your ear to listen to me and set me free. Be my rock of safety where I can always hide. Give the order to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. My God, rescue me from the power of the wicked and the clutches of the cruel oppressors. That's his own family, by the way. Oh Lord, you alone are my hope. I've trusted you, oh Lord, from childhood. Yes, you have been with me from birth. From my mother's womb, you have cared for me. No wonder I am always praising you. I think we can all get his point here. He is saying something like this. I'm feeling very vulnerable here, Lord. And even though I know that you've been taking care of me all of my life, and I've been following you all of my life, I really need you to step up right now and come through for me. And once again, I understand this. I haven't been trusting and praising the Lord from the day I was in my mother's womb, but I have been walking with the Lord for a long time. I think it's been 54 years. And I can understand why David in this situation that he was in would feel like God should protect him after trusting him for such a long time. He was just being honest with God and he's being honest in a way that I understand. And then David says this, he says, my life is an example to many because you have been my strength and protection. That is why I can never stop praising you. I declare your glory all day long. Now, I have to stop right here and say much of the Hebrew of those verses is very difficult. The word that our house Bibles have translated as examples is the word mothaith. And it is a word that literally means a miraculous sign from God that is almost always a sign of God's judgment. Now, what we all need to keep in mind is this, that in the ancient Hebrew mind, everything that happened, every, I'm talking Literally everything that happened, happened because it was caused by God. They just figured that anything that was going on in anybody's life anywhere, God was making it happen. In fact, here's an example. We all say it is raining. It's raining. They would never say it's raining. They always said, he is raining because rain came because God decided right at that moment to send it. Everything, all events, all circumstances, every single one of them said something about God's attitude towards someone. And in the ancient world, 
An old man who seemed to be failing and fading would have looked like someone God was abandoning and causing to fail and fade. This line, my life is an example to many, is not a good line. It's actually saying the things that are going on in my life are a sign, a faith to many younger people that you, God, have abandoned me. And the word that the translators have put in next in this, in this passage is because. It says, because. It, it, that word is actually but. It's not because. The sentence is not saying that in his old age, David is an example to many people because he's been faithful. No, that's not what it's saying at all. What it literally says in the Hebrew is he's saying, what is happening to me as I'm growing older is that many people are saying that God has left me behind. But I will continue to praise you, God. It's no wonder that he says what he says in verse nine. Listen to this, he says, and now in my old age, don't set me aside. Don't abandon me when my strength is failing for my enemies are whispering against me. They're plotting together to kill me. They say God has abandoned him. Let's go and get him for no one will help him. Oh God, don't stay away. My God, please hurry to help me. Now, I just, I'm just gonna tell you, I'm pretty certain that I've never had any enemies that were out to kill me. I don't think so. I might have, but I didn't know about it. But there have been a few times over the years when younger people made it a point to let me know that I was too old school to be any good for Jesus. And I will be honest today and say as humiliating as it is for me to admit this, David's next words are not far off from what I'd thought in those moments. Bring disgrace and destruction on my accusers and humiliate and shame those who want to harm me. How about uh, we just save me talking about that for another week? Okay, can we just like let that one roll by? We'll talk about it some other time. I will say this, that if I'd written this song, I'm thinking that the next verse would have probably gone something like this. Hey, you who think I'm over the hill, do you know who I am? Do you know where I've been and what I've done? How dare you? I'd most likely have gone straight to why I should still have every right to be in charge. But David doesn't go there. He still asks God to take care of him, but for a reason that makes this entire psalm take an unexpected turn. Up to this point, as I said earlier, it looks like we should be talking about how younger people should be showing respect and honoring older people. But look at what David says in verse 14. He starts out, he says, but I will keep on hoping for your help. I will praise you more and more. I will tell everyone about your righteousness. All day long, I will proclaim your saving power. Though I am not skilled with words, I will praise your mighty deeds, O sovereign Lord. I will tell everyone that you, are alone, that you alone are just. O God, you have taught me from my earliest childhood, and I constantly tell others about the wonderful things you do. Now here comes the big shift. Now that I am old and gray, do not abandon me, O God. Let me proclaim your power to this new generation, your mighty miracles to all who come after me, your righteousness 
Righteousness, O God, reaches to the highest heavens. You have done such wonderful things. Who can compare to you, O God? You have allowed me to suffer much hardship, but you will restore me to life again and lift me up from the depths of the earth. You will restore me to an even greater honor and comfort me once again. Then I will praise you with music on the harp because you are faithful to your promises. O my God, I will sing praises to you with a lyre. O Holy One of Israel, I will shout for joy and sing your praises for you have ransomed me. Now I I know there's a lot in these verses. But did you notice that when David asked God to save him, he wasn't asking for this help so he could just stay on being the king. No, he was asking God for help so that he would be in a position to continually declare to the next generation every way, that in every way that he could imagine. Did you see, he said, I wanna talk about it and sing about it and even play musical instruments about it. He wanted to tell the next generation that Israel's God is powerful and that their God is the one who works mighty miracles and that their God is righteous beyond imagination and that God alone is the one who restores honor and comfort to those who are in their lowest moments. And when I realized this, that David wanted to be saved from those that were out to get him so he could help the next generation know the truth about God, it changed everything about this psalm for me. I think it's amazing. It's amazing that even in the middle of being betrayed by his own son, David could honestly say that in his heart, his desire was to make certain that the coming generations, those that would soon legitimately take their place as the rulers over Israel, those coming generations would hear from him that their God is the incomparable, the righteous, wonder-working one who is watching over them. The Psalm tells me that David, the old gray-haired man that he was, that he wanted God to know that whatever was left of his life, he wanted to spend it pointing out to the coming generations all of the goodness and the faithfulness of God. He wasn't in it for himself. He was in it for lifting up the Holy One of Israel. And I have to say, this is exactly what we older folk should be in this for today. I've come to a pretty strong conclusion after living in this psalm over the last few weeks, and it's this. When I point the coming generations to the goodness and faithfulness of God and not to my own wisdom or my own sense of accomplishment or my sense of entitlement, and I make room for those who are coming up behind me, the difficulties of making that room will go away. Because it's not any longer me worrying about whether I'm getting what I have due. It's me making sure that we give God what is due to Him. You know, I think the most difficult uh, thing in all of this for me is, is trying to never forget what it was like to be younger. I certainly know that there was a time in my life when I had a confidence in myself that certainly outsized my actual knowledge of the world. 
But I also know that what I longed for in those years was to know that someone who'd been there before had confidence in me. I'll never forget the day, right as the leaders of Faith Church were thinking about what it would look like to plant this church. Now, Faith Church, again, is the church that planted Grace Church. And I'll never forget the day that the the chairman of the board of elders of that church, an older man named Jim Shepley, someone who had helped birth Faith Church. Now get this, he helped start Faith Church. And now he's getting ready to help launch Grace Church. And he came up to, oh by the way, and I had the distinct impression at the time that Jim Shepley thought that I was nothing more than a goofball. Seriously, I was certain that he thought almost, he had almost no thought that I could ever do much of anything. But out of the blue, he stopped me at the church and he said something like this to me. He goes, you need to join Dave Rod in this. He needs someone who thinks like you. God has helped me lead this church over the years and he'll help you help Dave. Now, in just a few words, he pointed me to the goodness and the faithfulness of God and he opened a door for me to step into all of this. It's a lot of this. It was all it took to change my life. I think Jim Shepley was remembering what it was to have been my age back when they started Faith Church. And he knew I just needed to know that someone believed that God was with me, even in my goofballiness. So I'm gonna get ridiculously practical now, my dear older friends. I'm gonna suggest three things we can do that will help us, as our value statement says, make room for younger people by eliminating, by elevating, I'm sorry. (laughs) Boy, that was a bad, (laughs) boy, that was Freudian, wasn't it? (laughs) You'll all remember that, that's all you'll remember. Let me take it deeper. <laughs> By elevating the voices, the influence, and the giftings of those who don't look the same, think the same, talk the same, or have the same age or abilities that we do. Number one, as I've already said, let's do our best to try to never forget what it was like to be younger, okay? Try and remember how you felt when your voice was marginalized because you were younger, because I'm sure there were times when it was. And, and think about how differently you felt when someone older showed confidence in you and was looking for opportunities for you to step up. Don't forget about your Jim Shepleys, okay? And also, and I, I know this is hard to do, but try to keep in mind what it was like to have great excitement about something coupled with an excess of energy, <laughs> okay? I am reminded all of the time that the reason I feel like I have a lot to say about things now is because when I was younger, 
I had the energy to spin a lot of plates. And now at a time, listen, younger people are leaving the church in droves. And I wanna be always looking for ways to open doors to anyone that is excited about God and also has the energy to spin his plates. So let's do our best to remember what it was like to be younger and look for ways to engage with them in what God is doing, okay? Secondly, let's focus on God's faithfulness to us in the past rather than in our own sense of success or skill. If we're gonna talk about back in the day, let's be like David and talk about all that God has done for us back in the day, not about what we have done. What younger people need from us is the confidence that God will be with them as they try their best in this stage of their lives to follow Jesus. Psalm 71 showed me that what I need to be proclaiming to the next generation is how God was there for me and how he will be for them. He will be there for them. And in particular, for the specific generations that are coming behind us, it's important that they hear how God has restored us and comforted us in our lowest moments. Young people need to know that that God is there even when it's terrible. Let's do our best to point younger people to Jesus's work on our behalf and not to what we consider our work on Jesus's behalf, okay? And thirdly, and this comes more out of my experience than anything, being silent but vigilant is a good thing. I know that David said that he would continually be proclaiming things, but older folk, there is much wisdom in being quiet and listening. What I have learned is that any legacy that I have, any legacy that I have will only exist if I open the doors for those behind me and they take up the mantle of carrying on what I have given my life to building. Can I say that again? Any legacy that I have will only exist if I open the doors for those who are behind me and they take up the mantle of carrying on what I've given my life to building. I am far better off listening to how they see the mantle being carried into their world than telling them how they should carry that mantle. I have helped build a foundation but each new generation will build a new house on that foundation. And I've found that the less that I speak up, the more likely I will be heard when I do speak. And this is especially true when I know that my younger friends first are that, that my younger friends know that I am committed to seeing them be successful in following Jesus. And secondly, when my words lift them up and point them to trusting God, they will respond. That's what we all want to hear. So let's listen more, speak less, and be vigilant in our support of the next generation's desire to follow Jesus. And one last thing. One last thing, can, 
can we older people do our very best when we speak to younger folks that we don't shame them and that we don't condescend to them? I'm just saying. Who wants to listen to anybody whose words are nothing but shame and condescension? Okay? Now, my dear older friends, I, I know that this is, it's a difficult thing to hand the reins over to someone younger and less experienced. I know that. I also know that it's hard to be silent when you're confident that you know exactly what needs to be said in the moment. I know all about these kinds of difficulties. But I also know this. This church looks a lot different than the church that Jim Shepley helped build. And it looks a lot different than that because he opened a door and made room for younger people to move into leadership, okay? And I'm also certain that the church of tomorrow will most likely look a lot different than the church that Dave Rod and Jim Falk helped build. But whatever the church may look like in the future, it will only exist at all if we who are older make room. If we make room for those younger voices that want to join our older voices in proclaiming the truth about God, those younger voices that want to join us proclaiming that God is powerful and he is present and he longs to see his goodness, all of the goodness that he has given to us through Jesus. He wants to see that goodness filling everyone and everything everywhere in the world. Okay, let's pray. Father, I am so thankful for this passage. I'm thankful for the fact that your spirit spoke to David and that he gave us a picture into the desire of his heart to move his life to a place where he could tell the next generation about you. I pray, Father, that we will be people who are continually thinking about what is it that we can do to instill in the next generation not only the fact that we have confidence in them, but that they can be confident that you will be with them. I pray, Lord, that we will be people who become so unified together as many generations that it will be impossible for our community not to see that we are a different place and that we are bringing the light of Jesus into the world. I pray this for us in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for watching, but don't stop there. We want you to find community at Grace Church, and the first step in doing that is going to gracechurch.us hub. There you'll find other sermons, details about upcoming events, and other important announcements. And make sure you subscribe to our channel so you don't miss out when we post something new. Thanks again for watching. We'll see you next time.